It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. So, Matt, how do you feel about the fact that playoffs are almost here? I was just about to say that, Kyle. It's just, it just it's going to be right around the corner before you know it. It's going to sneak up on us. I can't wait. We can already tell through the, through the way the, the standings are going, it's going to be a tight wire down of the race. I was even looking around the league last night to see... Uh, you know, if they, I was watching the Vegas game to see if they were going to win because they could have tied the Preds if they had won last night for a first wild card spot, which they didn't. So that helps the Preds. But just goes to show you, we're not even at quite at playoffs yet, and it's already coming down to the wire. So it's going to be a tight one. Yeah, Matt, I see you're already growing out your playoff beard there. Yeah, I was running a little late. I had a, I had a busy it's, week. It's fine. So, uh, it's fine. It looks good. I like the scrub. Looks pretty I'm manly. Just saying, I like it. It's time to start preparing. You know, your body That's for true. that beard for the playoffs. Yeah, no, I was looking at the standings last night. Obviously, the the Vegas loss was huge. The Canucks just absolutely destroyed them. I actually watched some of that game. Um, the problem is with Vegas, though, at this point in time, and I guess we can kind of start here, is they've played three or four more games than the Preds, too, and they're lower in the standings. So right now, they are very much, you know, like on the cusp of not making the playoffs. I, I want to say it's like 40% or lower right now. Uh, of making the playoffs for Vegas. And what is crazy is when I was looking at the research from today, uh, the Habs are already out. The Islanders are pretty much out. And then if Vegas, uh, if Vegas does not make the playoffs, that is three of your final four teams will not make the playoffs this year after making the conference finals respectively from each side. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's crazy to have that much regression in one season. On top of that, you know, just to add insult to injury, Montreal was a not just, they were a Stanley Cup Finals team and they were the very first team out this year, mathematically eliminated. So that, you went from the, you went from the highest of highs to the very rock bottom and, and that is definitely tough to see. Well, at least you know what? We're not Buffalo. They have set a league record by being eliminated now for 11 seasons in a row. It's just a mess. Well, I mean, they've been kind of a dumpster fire for a bit. Um, the whole Eichel situation went down too. I, I mean, the front office has really not been managing things well. So I, I, I don't see when this streak ends. I, I mean, are you guys optimistic that they're going to pull it together at some point and actually be able to string together a coherent team to make the playoffs in the next two to three seasons? I don't see it happening. I only, I, I lost care after Jack Eichel left. Like, yeah, they are they're a tire fire. I don't really care. They don't have a great plan in place. I don't see a whole lot of prospects that make me grab my attention or make me want to get watch them on the ice. So uh, I was happy to see Jack Eichel play for Vegas, but that just goes to show you how fleeting my interests are in Buffalo. That I can't even finish the sentence talking about Buffalo. I'm already on to something else besides Buffalo. So, well, uh, I mean, to our point. So, like you've seen some of the rebuilds that have happened, you know, in the past five years, say. Um, the Red Wings being one. They've actually, they, I mean, how many draft picks did the Red Wings get the last several years? I mean, it was a slew. And now you're seeing some of those prospects actually play and get, you know, 
good ice time and they're really good prospects that are going to move the organization forward. With Buffalo, like you said, I don't see any of that. I didn't see any stockpiling of picks like Arizona right now. They just sold the farm in the last two years. And now coming up, they're going to have a ton of picks in these really hot drafts. So I, I don't know. I felt like the Sabres, yes, are in rebuild mode, but it doesn't feel like they're in full sellout mode like some of the other teams were to commit to getting a quicker rebuild done. I, yeah, I don't like know, more like, like just kind of hanging out in no man's land without like a specific plan. plan. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, this is a brutal, and, and like this is sad for the Buffalo Sabres fans because they have some really good diehard fans up there in Buffalo. And, you know, back in the day, that place was rocking, but... I, I don't I don't see it for at least another three seasons. I mean, that's just me personally. So it's funny though, because we are talking about Buffalo, and if Carolina beats them tonight, they're going to be the third team to clinch a playoff spot behind Florida and the Avs. So, I mean, we were talking about earlier today, and pretty much everybody's kind of thinking we're going to get a Florida uh, Avalanche playoff. Do you guys think that's possible? You mean for the final? Yes. Okay. So yeah, sorry. Here's the deal. It's very easy every year to look at the top two teams, basically, and the first two teams to clinch and be like, those two are going to be in the final. Well, guess what? That has not happened the last several years. That just is what it is. With the the playoffs, there's so much parity in the league that any team can beat another one on any night. And we saw that with the Habs last year with their miraculous run, and they're not even the playoffs this year. They're like literally the first team to get eliminated. So that said, yeah, on paper, it looks like it's going to be the Habs and... Florida because they've been absolutely destroying people like along the way. Um, their teams are built for the finals, but that doesn't mean that they're going to end up in the finals. And I think this, I think this year's bracket is going to be just juicy. I mean, we were talking about this the other night, the first round matchup, if the playoffs started right now, one of your first round matchups is Carolina, Tampa. Wow. Sign me up. Yeah. You want you talk about some high flying hockey, and then guess what? The second round matchup could be Florida versus Tampa too. Like yeah, the first and second round matchups, you know, they always in the last recent years, in the last ten years, you've, you're developing these familiar rivalries within the within like the the second leg of the race here. But in the last couple of years, two or three years specifically, you're seeing some some ball buster matchups in the first round. It's to the point that I think the last two years, I've said the first round had my favorite matchups. And just coming out of left field, teams that shouldn't be fighting each other because that should be safe for like a conference final. They're getting on the ball early because that's just the way the cookies fell with with the uh, the way the team's lined up. I can't wait for it this year. It sounds good on paper, like you said, Daniel, but it's going to be a bracket buster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I cannot wait for us to fill out our brackets this year because we're going to be totally wrong. Because, I, I mean, this year, it's going to be crazy. So if if this is just the Eastern Conference right now, okay? So if it ended right now, Carolina would play Tampa. Um, Florida would play the Capitals. You have Toronto, Boston, and New York and Pittsburgh first round. I, I mean, that's that's some killer matchups for the first round. Um, yeah, that that Eastern Conference bracket's looking real nice as far as uh. Um, watchability. Um, the the Western Conference is going to be wide open. Who knows? Too like as of right now, too, it would be the Wild versus St. Louis, uh, Edmonton versus L.A., and then what looks to be like Calgary, Nashville, and then uh, Colorado, Dallas. 
So I, I, I mean, I still think those are going to be some fun matchups, but I definitely think the Eastern Conference has a little bit more juice in that first round moving in. And you can see some of those matchups too, like happening, like the battle for Florida. That would be incredible to see in the playoffs. Um, we'll see. I, I mean, there's just a lot of storylines on that Eastern Conference too. You got, can, can the, the Leafs actually get past the first round? Can never can the, the lightning three Pete? Oh, I hope not. God, I hope not. And then you have the battle for Florida in the mix, and then you have the bunch of jerks in there. Oh, and then you got March hand in the mix with Boston. Sign me up for the Eastern Slow Conference down. right now. The Eastern Conference is going to be just, just awesome hockey to watch. So, Matt, you were real quick to uh, kind of give a groan about the fact that Tampa could three Pete. Do you think it's possible? And if they do three Pete, do you think the league is going to? make some changes because the reason why I'm asking is that after Tampa won last year on what all the people call, you know, kind of working around the long-term injury reserve, we're starting to see other teams like Florida do the same thing. Do you think if Tampa wins again, they're going to change it? Um, I had heard that they're not because somehow it benefits the owners. The whole salary cap identity benefits the owners somehow to the point that they're not going to change it and even not just tampa not just florida now vegas has 15 million on ltir as well uh i think we all want to see it be you know reformatted somehow i don't think it gets done this year uh i just am not a fan of tampa i'd like for them to not repeat i'm not a fan of any team running the course like that i'd like to see more disparity i like to see the wild under i always root for my underdogs and uh rooting for that day. No, it really, me and you are in sync with, with the first run. I could just repeat everything you said. I'm so excited. I want to I want to talk more about it, but I would just be repeating the same stuff you said. The first round in the East is where my heart oh, is this year. It's going to be, it's going to be and so good. To the point that I can't, this year I might just do something totally different. I might say, screw the stats. I always say this every year. <laughs> I'm going to say, screw the stats. I'm just going to go with my heart. I never do it. This year I might just do it because this is going to be something special. And, uh, I mean, just looking at some of the teams that are wildcard teams that have been putting up good numbers. I mean, the Preds and Stars are both teams that have been playing really good hockey. But, you know, at one point they weren't really, you know, in the mix. And then all of a sudden now you're going to have two of those teams as wild cards. And I and I saw a lot of wild fans the other night saying, listen, you better watch out for the Preds first round because they're going to be a tough team to, to handle. Like, not saying that, you know, like, obviously it's going to be easy, like, if you're facing... Calgary, that's going to be a difficult matchup. But the thing about the Predators is they normally play a really close, tight game if it is, you know, in that situation. And if UC Soros can get hot, this is a very similar team to what I would wager was the cup run team with Pekka, where Pekka got hot going into the postseason, started shutting people down. And the next thing you know, it was a strong, gritty team with a bunch of rookies. I mean, like what it's, it's crazy how the similarities are with this team with that cup run team. To your point on that, it seems like we do our best for the Preds when we're in a wild card spot. We do. Every time we've been in like a one, two, three spot in the playoffs, we always get bounced and disappointment. So maybe it's just, maybe we should try to shoot for the wild card spot always. Well, I that sounds great. And I agree with your premise, but you're, you put yourself in, your back is up against the wall to the point that, like we said, if, if this other team wins and that's, then that bumps the Preds down to the point that, if two teams win and the Preds don't, you might be out of the playoffs. And that's just too small of a bubble to to risk your life on being burst. You, just, you have to get more points at the start of the season. And, and I like your premise, but even, even being the wildcard team, 
get into the first round. Now you're going to play the hardest team. Now you're going to play the number one seed. So you'd like to get points earlier to not only make sure to uh, clinch, but also to play a better team, possibly first round or a less deep team, you know? Well, I mean, I wasn't expecting the Preds to make the playoffs this year. So honestly, just making the playoffs, I'm perfectly excited. That's shooting above expectation for me for the Preds because, I mean, most people had them definitely bottom three of of the Central. But that said, though, they're at, and from the three main sources, I think it was like Money Puck. Um, There's two other ones I ran. Basically, what I did is I took all three and averaged them out. And right now, they have a 94% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think, and the, that's uh, and that's huge because it went down to about eighty the other night. But then Vegas has really slipped up. Vegas also has played three more games as well, and they they just haven't played well here recently. And that's the problem is right now Vegas has a ton of people on long term injured reserve. But it's kind of like that double side of the coin. Like you got to make the playoffs first before you can even activate those people again. So, um, I, honestly, it's it, it's absolutely crazy to me that I think Vegas right now is more than likely going to be out of the playoffs and money puck has them at a 31.6% chance now to make yeah. the playoffs. I, I think they miss. And That's insane. Exactly to your point, Vegas and, and same thing with Nashville. Nashville is favored a little bit higher, even though they're still in the wild card spot, which they'll, they're going to end up, <clears throat> excuse me, in the wild card likely. But what gives them advantage on the percentage is they have played less games than anybody else in the central or at least tied for the, the least amount. They've only played 69 and Vegas contradictorily has played more. They have a couple of games back. Well, it's not just them. So, uh, and when I was looking at this, there's three teams that factor into the Predators playoff chances right now. And that's the Jets, which they're almost out of it. It almost doesn't make sense, but they're almost eliminated. Um, Los Angeles is another one because they've also played three more games as well. And their point percentage is really low. So it's lower than the Preds. So the fact that they have two teams now that have played three more games than the Preds and has a lower percentage, that's why they have such a high high percent chance because they're banking on one of these teams, too, to knock each other out. And then, basically, that just gives Nashville the other spot for free, um, regardless, because one of these two teams is going to have to kill the other one off to get in. And more than likely, it's going to be Los Angeles you know, triumphing over Vegas at this point, which is insane to me. Yeah, I was uh, just talking to a buddy of mine at work today who's from Pittsburgh and he was talking we we're talking about the you know the standings in the race and he was like, "Man, my Pittsburgh Bengals have been sucking lately because they've been playing, you know, they've been playing the Rangers a couple of times, they played Carolina, they played Washington, and these are in metro division rivalries. So, it's like Playoff. instead of just a two-point swing, it's a four-point swing because they go up two and you go down two essentially. So, it it makes the swings even harder when it's in conference and that metro division specifically is a tough cookie to crack. That's the one I've got my eyes on this year for sure. So it's just ironic. Even him, it's not just the Central. We always say how tight the Central is. Everywhere is going to be tight. The Metro, the Central. The only one I give some some slack to maybe is is the Pacific. Uh, I'm a little surprised to see the LA Kings back in the playoffs. I'm very happy to see that. I like my Kings. And like I said, I think Vegas is going to get short shrift and they're going to be the ones knocked out of it. Uh, not that the Pacific Man. is particularly it's- deep, uh, but so the California hard. teams have not been doing super lately, so at least it's good to see the Kings in the mix this year. Well, you're talking about Pacific, so it looks like the Anaheim Ducks have lost Ryan Getzlaff, which was not surprising, seeing how he's had a very long career. But you know, Matt, it seemed to take you a little, little. You seem to take a, a little more personally that he retired. <laughs> well, Matt, Matt would have been mad. Let me just put it like this: had he not retired with the Ducks, 
yeah, you know, his time was coming. And I think he's been, I don't know if he's been battling injuries or not necessarily, but uh, I know that sometimes you can see the writing on the wall. And uh, I love the Ducks. I love the glory era. From It's it's really the Get Slap show. He is the identity of the Ducks. And now you could say it's changing a little bit with uh, Zegras and uh, Ricard Raquel and some of these some of these young, great talents. But it's it's the Ryan Getzloff show, and I just I love that. I love SoCal hockey, and uh, Getzloff has played his entire 17 year career with the Ducks. So you know me, if he got traded, it was going to be a big freaking rant by Matt because I want my veterans to retire, my one team veterans to retire with their team. And so, since you like Ryan Getzloff so much, I wanted to bring a question in because you know last time we did, I gave you a I gave you a question, you kind of bombed it. You got some of it right. It's about Zdeno Chatter. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't bomb it. There was some tough questions in there. I got a couple of them right. Okay, well, this one's about Ryan Getzlaff. Well, it's kind of about people that relate to the feet of him. So, as you know, he's got a thousand points. He's played his entire career with the Ducks, and he's the captain. So, um, now, before I give you this question, did you research this at all? No. Okay, cool. All right, so... Speaking of Ryan Getzlaff here, we'll say 11 other NHL players have captained the same team for 10 seasons, and they've scored 1,000 points as well. So, eight of them are in the hall. Can you tell me who those 11 people are? Okay, so, so this is the one you're talking about. You told me this one ahead of time, so I had some time to think about it. It wasn't so much on the spot. Now, I don't know if I'm going to do any better, but I, I do have some answers. So, I thought there was 10 other people, so I wrote down 10 names. And... uh I'll give you 10 answers, and you okay. can tell me how many of them. 10 works. Right. Uh, I'm going to start with Gordy Howe. Wrong. Okay. Oh, man. How right about gate? Steve Eisman. Correct. Okay. Yep. And that tells me, what about Nick Lidstrom? Nope. I thought it was one or the other. I didn't. I figured it wasn't both of them. All right. Then I'm on to Gretzky. No. All right. How about Lemieux? Yes. All right. How about Crosby? No. All right. Man, I thought Crosby would have been on that list. I'm going down some of these big names. Messier. Nope. Okay. Ovi. Ovi's not on the list. Man, this is difficult. Remember, the criteria is they've been, yeah. they've been they've on the same team. They've captained the same team for ten seasons, scored a thousand points. I maybe you said it was Iron, but but no Lidstrom. Correct. So. I don't know. Don't think Bobby Orr had a thousand points. Is that he's gonna, is he yeah, on the list? Yeah, he's got. He's not on this list. Not on there. Okay. All right. Now I'm I'm spitballing some other ones, some wild cards. How about Mike Madonna? No. How about Jonathan Taves? Nope. Okay. Wow. You tell him this is difficult. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So um, I have to make one correction. Uh, to actually two corrections because I read the wrong section. Ovechkin is on the list. I was about to say, there's Crosby's no on the list. Okay. Sorry, it was real, the text is really condensed. Okay, so Matt, here we go. And let's see you, what you get here. We got like three or four of them. Late, yeah. late, but. Okay, so it is Jean Bellevue. Okay, I knew there was, I knew there was a Montreal Canadian. I just didn't know which one it was because that was before my time. So cut me a break and I didn't do any research. So I couldn't figure out which one it was. No, that's fine. Part of it's on me because I was, like I said, look how small my text is. Yeah. Get that punk. I knew there. there was a I know, right? because they dominated. I just didn't know which one. Okay, so Ray Bork. Oh, I totally yep. forgot about that. Yep. Alex Ovechko. Really? Okay. Ron Francis. I cannot pronounce his name correctly, but it's uh, Ignelia. Jerome. Jerome McGinley. Yes, yeah. that's it. Um, Mario Lemieux on here, of course. Yes. 
Joe Sackick. Oh, I oh. had him on my short list. I just didn't think he was captain long enough. That's that's the thing is like they have to be captain for ten yeah. years. That's like that's some odd criteria. Go ahead. And then uh, Steve Eisman, of course. And then of those eleven players, the only two that are still playing are Ovechkin and Crosby. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because I was like, there's no way Ovi and Crosby aren't on the list. Because I was like, they've definitely been captain for at least ten years, and I know both of them <laughs> have enough point requirement. So, yeah, that was wow, a good- what a good trivia. Yeah, I, I find that it's... Double, um, double jeopardy for, for I find, Kyle. I find it's good to give Matt some trivia questions because he likes to brag about how all of his hockey knowledge slowly yeah. taking him down peg by peg. Yeah, I got plenty of excuses, though. I got a bad memory. I didn't have time to research, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, speaking of somebody else who uh, might be retiring and is also currently gracing a screensaver for someone's phone. Well, he retired today, actually. That's right, Kyle. We're talking about my boy, Marion Hosa. Yes, Daniel, I've got him pulled up on my phone right now. Here, shed. I love Marion Hosa. He is one of my, he is like a Pavel Datsuk to me. Don't know what it is about him. Love the guy. I didn't realize he was already in the Hall of Fame. He has a lot of accolades to his name. Uh, was chasing a couple, one, I think three cups with the Blackhawks. And uh, a couple years ago, maybe Three years ago, he had a skin condition, and that said, he, yeah, I was about to say it was a skin condition, wasn't it? Like something really, it was really weird, weird like, and off the wall. Wear a jersey because it irritated his condition or something. So uh, he couldn't officially retire. His he still had a contract. He his rights got traded to I think it was the Coyotes, and uh, so once that contract expired, now he just signed a one day deal with the Blackhawks to officially play one game, the feel good moment and uh, retire as a Blackhawk, which he's played for a lot of teams, like five or six or seven, maybe teams, but uh, he was a Blackhawk played for the wings for a little bit too. Uh, chased a few cups after he won his three cups with the Blackhawks as well. Uh, but a heck of a guy, heck of a player. Dude, I yeah. love this guy. So I'm glad to see him retire as a Blackhawk. 1134 points. 525 goals, 609 assists, and 1,309 games. Yeah. 19 seasons. That's I awesome. mean, that's, that is a career, let me tell you. Uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty fantastic. And the fact that he was able to do the one-day contract to go back to the Blackhawks where he spent, you know, a majority of his time, had most of his success there, that's such a good story. I, I mean, I don't know how many times we've talked about it on this show and how many times we've had to listen to Matt you know, complain in our group text when somebody gets traded, you know, like when Lundqvist leaves and goes, and then of course, then he gets sidelined with a heart injury. And then, you know, he's not a New York Ranger, you know, to, to finalize his career. And there's stuff like that. And it, it is very nice to see some sort of loyalty yeah, for some people that's, that that's something that you'll find about my character that I personally very highly value loyalty, whether it's uh, working for the same organ. I've worked for my hospital for like my whole life for like 13 years. So, and that's something I tell my wife when we're talking about jobs and stuff. And I talk, well, you know, you like where you're at. You'd be loyal to your boss. I really value loyalty, whether it's to a team, whether it's to your company, that's just yeah. something as a person that I highly value. So I really love it when players share that, share that mantra and also the team shares it with them as well and wants to provide the same loyalty and care for, for players as well. But to be fair, though, and not in Mary Hosa's uh, defense or anything, I mean, he did get traded a lot. You know, he played for the Senators, the Thrashers, the Penguins, the Red Wings, Thrasher. and the Blackhawks. Thrashers dating it right there because you know they're they're now yeah, I think insane. they're the Jets now. But you know, Matt, you're talking about the loyalty. Do you think we will um, ever see? You know, the the amount of players that play for one team are low. 
and they don't get it for trade. Do you think we'll ever see that just become a recurring trend that you'll always have one player from a team that will just always play for that team? Um, that's tough to say. I don't see that trend continuing to the likes of what it did back in like the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. I always bring that back to Detroit. Detroit was kind of famous for that. But now, especially where teams are wanting to get off the uh, no move clauses and stuff, that's a liability to a team. So you want to be able to trade them. And uh, I don't think that uh, unless that team, I don't know, there might be a couple rare exceptions where, where elite level talent comes through the ranks at, like a Dylan Larkin for the Red Wings. But it's going to be the exception, not the rule, because teams are going to want flexibility, and uh, that's going to be an asset for them to use in the future. Um, to your point, the Wings did have that, and then all of a sudden the salary cap got introduced. And then, yeah. sure enough, you start seeing a decline in that. And it is very rare for a person to spend their entire uh, uh, career inside of an organization, especially during the salary cap era because of those no movement clauses. I mean, you see people that are really good flurry I mean, he's been dealt twice in the last like year and a half. I mean, and he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's not that's not to say anything against him. I'm just saying, like, it, it, that just is what it is in the salary cap era. Um, you're not going to see that those long tracks. Uh, Pekka was an anomaly where he finished his entire career as a Predator, um, and you know, credit to him for being able to do that and having that loyalty in the organization for giving it to him. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're going to see less and less of that moving forward. So what do you think about Philip Forsberg? Do you think he is going to get signed? Because I want to get this out of the way before we get the other stuff, because it's something that, you know, we're always going to talk about because he is yet to be signed. And I was reading some things today where people said that they do believe he is going to get signed. They're still working the details out, but you know, I do need to make a retraction. Something I said in an earlier episode. I said I'd be I was not going to be surprised if Philip Forsberg did not hit 40 goals this season. He's two away. He's got 38 goals on the season and I'm just like I need to make a public retraction on that because somebody did call me out on the episode about that. Yeah, I mean, he's been on fire. Him and Duchesne both on that line have just been absolutely spectacular. Um so what I've heard from Poyle, you know, and his comings and goings with the media is that they are close. And that the ironic part, we have been preaching it on here. I don't know how many times. How many times have we talked about term on here? Like how long he wants? Ironically enough, it sounds like it is not the term anymore and it's the actual dollar value. Okay. Well. And from Poyle's last statement, he said, we're not that far off to where it's not, you know, like a, a big deal, like where you can't bridge the gap. Per se. I so, think it's like they have they they have agreed yeah. that they're going to find an answer. They just haven't. It's just we don't have the dollar yet because I, I, they obviously both want him there. He wants to be in Nashville. They want him in Nashville. His agent wants more money, and Poyle wants him for less. I mean, that's just how it is. And what's going to happen is over the next several months, there's just going to be a bunch of back and forth over that. I think you know um, we've said it a couple times. If he what if he didn't feel he could keep him, that he would have gave him away. Uh, in free agents yeah. season, uh, it, by the trade deadline at least, before free agency sets in for, for him. Uh, but I think the fact, which, which is what we called it a couple months ago, that it was likely to go, it's going to be a postseason, I'm yep. uh, sorry, after the year signing in the offseason, uh, because you got two experts in David Boyle and whoever the agent for, for Forsberg is. They're both veterans. They're going to c- come down to the wire because that's what they do. 
Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I think he gets done. I just, I, I think we end up giving him a little bit more than we wanted to. But at this point with his production, and, and like I said before too, he and he and Duchesne are kind of like now in this awesome like chemistry building moment where we finally now have some of the pieces that we were wanting. Like Duchesne is popping like he, what we wanted. And now Forsberg and him were clicking and now they're feeding off of each other. And that line is, uh, I, I mean, mo- a majority of our goals is from that line right now. Ironically enough, Ryan Johansson has started showing signs of incredible productivity here recently. He had a hat trick the other night, Matt. Like that, that line is starting to gel and it is becoming the way better Jofa line uh, than back in the day. And now at this point, you have one of those players who could walk away. You don't want to upset that at this point. Like, so they're going to be willing to pay him more. And he's a little bit younger too. So um, I, I think we're just going to end up having to pay a little bit more than, than what we wanted and what Poyle wanted. But at the end of the day, I think Forsberg has to stay for, uh, for the team to remain competitive and to show some sort of loyalty for all those rookies coming up too. You know, I, I mean, you got to have some mentors for them as well. You can't trade away everybody. You're talking about uh, how good Forsberg and Duchesne are doing. So, you know, looking at it here for the season, Matt Duchesne has 36 goals, 36 assists. Wow. And then Philip Forsberg has got 38 goals and 32 assists. And, you know, that's they've combined just themselves for over 100 points. Like, that is insane of how well that line is doing. Yeah. Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg are tied for 11th and 9th in the league with goals, respectively. And point-wise, Matt Duchesne, I believe, is 21st in the league with points. He's tied with Sidney Crosby. That's S- crazy. Sidney who? Sydney, yeah, Sidney Crosby. And uh, he's one head of pasta. Well, yeah, I'm impressed. Uh, when you, I didn't really realize those numbers until you just read them off. That, that's, that's really good stuff. So, Matt, what this means is you got to start wearing your Preds jersey all the time. Uh, I'll, I'll slide you one. I was waiting. I figured somebody's going to get around to that. I'll wait till the playoffs start. So when the playoffs starts, it's going to be you guys or we. <laughs> well, that's all right. I do tend to flip flop a little bit between uh, calling calling the predators us like we and then or saying you guys. If I'm mad at the predators, I'll say you guys. You guys are doing awful. Well, we also have to you mention you know somebody who's really near and dear to Matt here all of a sudden, and that would be old uh, T T J Tanner Janot, who has come out of nowhere in Matt's mind, yeah, but has exploded onto the scene and now has 23 goals as a rookie for the Preds. Isn't that crazy, the production he's having this year on limited minutes, too? So, uh, I'm just saying. Yeah, he's uh, he's my favorite Pred. He, I, he's overtaken Tolvanen for me. Uh, you know, haven't seen... Oh, Tolvi hasn't seen as much ice time as Janot. And uh, I'll just have to say that that rough and tumble style of hockey that Jano has. And you know, you know, what was it? He had a baby and then the next game he come out and did a fight and there was a great photo on my phone. I don't have it. He had the Gordy Howe hat trick that night. Yeah. Right. I got it on my, I took a big screenshot of it and uh, that's my style of hockey and uh, he's my new favorite parade. I'll have to say. Well, do you think he's going to win the Calder? Uh, Over Mo. No, Kyle. That out here. We haven't talked Calder in a while, but, uh, it ain't going to be Janot, even though he's he's done very well. On a, on another year, he might be in the discussion for top three. He's probably in the top four, top five. But uh, in another year, he'd be in the top three. But this year, it's not it. Because my boy, let me read you off a little stat. They, they had, th- this year's stacked rookie-wise. I, I mean, tell you, this is what it is. Lucas Raymond is the first uh, Detroit rookie since 
Fedorov to 20 goals and 30 assists. And he's also the fourth winger, uh, fourth red wing in history to 50 points before 21 years old. And he's not even my boy, Mo Sider, who is the one who I'm back. That's my pick. That's my personal pick. I will say he doesn't have all the stats that Lucas does, but like actual impact on the game. I think Mo has a, a greater impact for the red wings. I mean, kid's been great. He's super physical. I mean, some of the hits he's been laying on people, he does not look like a rookie. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. very strong on the puck already. So, that said, he's my vote as of right now. But, like, Tanner Janot has come out, of, like I said, he's done he's done about as best as he can with as little as he's been given. And that's about as much as you can ask for for a predator underneath. Yeah, you know, I don't even know where we're paying him right now. Do we even know? I mean, it's got to be peanuts, right? Well, it's probably entry-level deal still, probably. South of, uh, I don't know if it's an entry level deal. No, eight hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, and he's he's a not on an ELC. That's crazy. Huh. I don't know how that works, but unless he burned it from subbing in last year, I, I think there was some other stuff. He's a little bit older though. That's why because he's twenty four. So I think because we had him in the system for a little bit, like there was some stuff, but he's not Depending technically on, on his get called up. Yes, he because burned. he's not technically on his entry level contract. Where like Tomasino is. Um, Tolvanen, we just got rid of uh, the entry level contract too. Also, side note on Tolvanen, he's back in the lineup tonight after having one game off for you know because McCarron subbed in for him. I kind of feel bad for him because looking at his game this year, he has progressed in every way possible. Like he's been super physical on the puck. He's back checking. He's defensively, he has really stepped up. I mean, he's like night and day. And I know Hines loves those players, and that's one of the reasons why he has a spot in the lineup almost every single night now. But it's so frustrating because, like, he has some of that, like, snake-bitten mentality from, like, Matt Duchesne last year. You remember, like, how frustrating it was for Duchesne? I feel like that just, like, went from Duchesne and just immediately went to Tolvanen. Um, If he can get past that and stuff starts clicking and stuff starts going in the net... Boy, that's going to be another great piece of the puzzle for only at one point four million. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have some more secondary scoring. I, I I think he gets there, but like overall, he has done everything right as a player this year and making huge leaps forward and everything. It's just not falling for him for whatever reason, and and I do feel bad for him as far as the stats stats are concerned. But like his on ice performance, you can see his his impact uh, without the stats. Well, it's just all part of that growing process. You look at these young draft picks and these rookies, you know, he was tearing up in the cage show and he wants to come over and I was all hyped up and said, well, he wants to come over and destroy it. But you really have to set your realistic expectations. You're going to a new league. You're still young. So these these changes and these growth patterns that happen as players progress with their talent and development, it takes a period of time. So just because they, they light it up for a couple of weeks, they're going to have their troughs and valleys again. They're going to go back and then slumps and it just takes a period of time, and and he's improved massively this year, and he's going to add to it next year. But you have to be realistic that it's just going to take time. It's a process, and uh, that's the way it goes. Well, speaking about lightening it up, Kyle, there is one predator who has been leaps and bounds above everyone this year, and who is that? Well, if I don't say Roman Yossi, I think most of the Preds are going to like come after me, including their fans too. So I'm going to say it's Roman Yossi who's just been lighting it up leaps and bounds. The man is insane. Yeah, so at this point in time, at this recording, I I really don't know much more we can say about this because we have seen all the stats just 
flying across the internet and the Twitterverse. But he now leads right now, you know, defenseman with 84 points, 19 goals, 65 assists right now. Which is a lot. Yeah, yeah. He, he's creeping up on the list as far as like, uh, you know, all-time greats as far as the assists category go too. But for some reason, Makar is still <laughs> favorited as the Norris candidate to beat at this point. But he has 24 goals and only 75 points. So right now, Yossi has, Yossi has nine more points than the second place person. He had, by the way, Yossi has 17 more points than Victor Hedman, who's in third. Yeah, that's And a lot. yet, somehow, Yossi is still kind of like eh, 1A, 1B for the candidate as far as this is concerned. And this blows my mind. And honestly, I think it's got to be the goals for Makari at this point. The one thing that I read about this, just browsing through Twitter, because, you know, Pierre LeBron is really great about going asking these GMs all these questions and stuff. And he asked them, you know, who would you pick, Yossi or Makar, if you got to pick the Norris? And almost all the GMs said Makar. That's because he's younger and more of a franchise player moving well, no, no, forward. No. They said it was because they felt Yossi was leading, was playing with sheltered minutes. I was like, have you watched the game? That makes no None sense. None of it's sheltered. That, okay. None of this makes sense because Makar is playing on a much better Avalanche team. I'm sorry, Preds fans. The Avalanche team is better than the Preds right now by leaps and bounds. Like, at one point, were they not averaging like 5.5 goals a game? Remember that stat from earlier in the year? Yeah. Like, you can't tell me that he hasn't flourished by having Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon. These are all people on his team. Like, I, like, I don't get it. And, and that's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, he, he's lighting it up, and I feel like he gets a lot of his goals, too, because, and this is not taking anything away from him, the kid's incredible. Like, he still has, like, incredible edging as far as his, his blade work. He is, he, he is absolutely fantastic. But I feel like when you have a team that has a power play of Landeskog, McKinnon, and um, Rantanen, I think you're going to be watching those three first, and then that's going to leave somebody open. And usually it does. You know what I mean? So I feel like that there's a correlation with why his goals are usually a little higher. And then, ironically enough, Yossi's assists are very high. His primary assists, his zone exits, like all this, all these stats for the Preds and Yossi like lend to Yossi being more of a crucial component for the Predators. Because if you took Yossi off of the Predators, they are not making the playoffs. They are not even close to making the playoffs. I'm sorry, but it's the Yossi and Soros show this year for the Preds. And I saw even the other day that Makar was leading Yossi for the heart consideration. I was about to ask about that. How is that even possible? Uh, The Preds are the worst team comparatively to the Avalanche. And then you have somebody popping off like this who also, by the way, set the single season record for most points in the salary cap era for a defenseman the other night. Yeah, that's all and, time. And how many more games does Yossi have? Like, that's the thing. is like, Yossi can, he's still on a 102-point pace. If he hits 100 points, he's the first defenseman, at like, what, in 30-something years to hit 100 points. No one's ever done it in the salary cap era, and he's the sixth all-time to do it. 
Yeah, I'm not hearing these same stats thrown out about McCarr. I know McCarr is younger and flashy, but it's not like we're talking Zegers here, who, by the way, got another Michigan goal a couple days ago. But we're talking about defensemen. Roman Yossi is throwing up all-time numbers. The other one you alluded to is he tied Bobby Orr with most assists by a D-man in the month of, in the month of March. You're talking Bobby Orr. He's also the fifth <laughs> D-man to have 80 points in 64 games. Fifth D-man in history. Ever. Yeah. That, that, McCarr I, is not in any of these four or five categories we've mentioned. It just goes to show you Roman Yossi's in a league of his own. I know McCarr is young and that's cute. McCarr's got his time. He's great. He, but yes. Yossi's throwing up all-time numbers. That's my point. Is like I'm not taking anything from McCarr. McCarr's going to probably win one or two like uh, of these trophies once everybody tails off. I mean, because he's a lot younger. A lot of these veterans are about to tail off. Okay? But I, this is historic what Yossi is doing this year. I mean, you are literally talking about since the foundation of the league, he could be the sixth person ever to hit 100 points, or defenseman to hit 100 points. And the list, it's all Hall of Famers. It's literally all Hall of Famers, and the only people who've done it multiple times was like Orr and, and, and Coffee, right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, just, just if you are in the same mention as Bobby Orr, like you said, you tied Bobby Orr for a month. I, I don't know what else you can say at this you, point. If that guy doesn't win the Norris, I'm going to yeah, be mad. No, like, I'm going to be upset this year. Now, like, once again, he could get, like, God forbid, he could get injured tonight and not score another point, and then McCarr still win it. But if if he keeps this pace up, there there is, there better not be any discussion at the end of the year, especially if he hits 100. If he hits 100 and somehow McCarr, like, I'm just going to think it's rigged. Uh, I'm sorry. But I, I like it, it. This has been the best season I've ever seen by defensemen, and it's in the salary cap era too. Like you're talking about the most fierce competition too. You have other defensemen too that you're also going up doing this against. That's my point too. Well, there's two sides of that. You have all these great defensemen out there this year that everybody's talking about. Like, well, what about Headman and what about all these other people that have great? Like, well, Yossi's playing against that competition as well, and he's still putting up those points. One thing I do want to interject, though, on this is that what if the Preds don't make the playoffs? Does that automatically knock Yossi out of Norris consideration? Um, I like when you suggested that earlier, but I don't know that I agree with that. That's definitely true of the Vesna, but I have not heard that said of the Norris. So I don't necessarily agree that that would knock him out. I don't agree with it for the Vesna either. I think these are individual awards and they should be based on the individual performance. Not well, should be. And- granted. What actually happens is two different. Yes, I know. No, I, I fully agree. And I understand that the heart in some way is kind of tied to this because you might have a bad team and you might have someone pulling up. But like, still, I think the heart, like you had, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl were leading. And I'm like, come on, guys. They're leading every single year for that. And both of them are incredible. But they kind of take, you know, they kind of, take away from each other as far as the heart consideration because it's like, yeah. well, when you both are scoring 120 points a year, who's more important? And and and, to, and uh, in my case, Yossi scoring 100 points as a defenseman only happened six times and we happen to make the playoffs. It better be Yossi for the heart as well. Yeah, when I like that mention of comparing it to the heart. I think both you guys said that and that really narrows down your focus by showing you the amount of effort compared to the rest of the team. So when you talk about how Colorado's more stacked, it shows you how much more Yossi's shining above the whatever standard deviation of the skill set of the team. 
when you're talking about the heart consideration. So, and I think, excuse me, we, we all agree with that for sure. Yeah. So I just want to throw this out here. Um, this was updated three days ago and this is for, this is odds for the heart. And it was, um, Austin Matthews, which is first makes sense. Kind of, in my opinion, he's having sure. a killer year for goals. Connor was tied with him for first. Really? Yeah. Um, like, and, and like, here's the, de- like Roman Yossi's one. He's ninth on this list. I feel like he should be higher, especially like higher than some of these other ones. I can't believe McDavid's that high because I thought that McDavid and Drysaddle are both going to, you know, cancel out the votes for whatever Edmonton player because they're going to, if you're going to vote for an Edmonton guy, you're going to split the votes between between McDavid and Drysaddle, which means they're going to get half the votes, so they shouldn't even be in the top top five, I don't think. But So, as of April 4th, too, so the odds for the Norris Trophy, Kale McCarr is still favored. Really? Yes. Because I was about to ask you how, how long ago those stats April 4th. Wow. On uh, Vegas Insider. And I can go, like, I can check a couple other ones, like sports. Um, see here. This was on April 5th. And well, McCarr my, is still the favorite. Well, at least it's more recent. Even if it's a couple days ago, it's more recent than when the uh, NHLPA did their voting a couple, like a m- month ago or whatever it was. So that's my question was at least it's another data set after that point so yeah it, it really it's 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 basically kale and roman at this point but every single betting website that i've pulled up has roman yossi at second which is an absolute tragedy might be a point. good underdog pick yeah you tell me right now matt this, i might throw some money on it let's go I, I i would i mean come on i don't think you can ignore a hundred point season You'd be amazed what people can ignore. But we do need to move on. Matt, you did put something up here on the list that I forgot about, but I'm glad you put it up. And that is Keith Yandel's Ironman streak has officially ended at 989 games. Man is so short to 1,000. And it looks like Phil Kessel may overtake him next year. Now, I know you have a particular fondness for the Ironman streak. So um, did you think they should have let just... Uh, you had a comment in our group text here today in which you said they should have let... Yandel just come out, just hobble out take, there. The, take the ice for like a few minutes and then get back on. Yes. So that was my initial, uh, initial impressions. Uh, this is an extremely con- uh, debatable topic. Apparently people have very mixed emotions about this. Uh, my initial impression was I thought he might've been hurt and, uh, was actually injured. That's why you would theoretically break the iron man. Cause you can't play. But upon, you know, some news stories breaking when they did some interviews, it was because, they're scratching him, not because he wasn't healthy, but because his play has been a little subpar lately. And that got people talking. I know the Minnesota Wild uh, reporter, I can't remember his name, uh, Rupp, I think off the top of my head, uh, Mike Rupp was talking specifically about how, you know, he probably should have been scratched years ago, even with Florida. And uh, that they was almost on the hook to keep him going because he had the streak that was alive and they wanted him to keep going with the streak, even though he theoretically should have been scratched you know, maybe two years ago because his play has been a little subpar. So he has merited being scratched. And especially as teams come down the stretch with like 15 or less games, you're seeing a lot of teams set and rest these veterans and letting their young talent come in here and take some reps. And uh, that's that's been going on across the board, across the league. So people have said that should happen. And they said that should have happened with Phil Kessel. Uh, in fact, Elliot Friedman on uh, 32 Thoughts said that 
He spoke with a GM uh, a while back, and he said that when they were considering picking up Phil Kessel, that was the reason that they didn't was because he was going to be a liability to them by having to keep his Ironman streak alive, and he wanted the flexibility of being able to scratch him or whatever if he so desired. Man, and this one is touchy because it's like you said, I, I watched his interview too, Matt, and he handled it like a champ. Yeah. I, I mean, like, really, that was a professional interview right there. I mean, good for him. But at the same time, too, you, you see both sides of it. It's like, yeah, like, he, he really has been slacking off. Like, all the statistical, like, charts that I've seen for him over the last year and a half, it's been a steady decline. So, I, I think at some point he kind of realized that, too. You, you know, I think and, that's why he took it so great. I, I think that's also why he was okay with it and okay with letting the younger, you know, the young guns kind of get their their time to shine, and then maybe he can rest up a little bit and come back stronger next season. But it just, it really does suck because it does it, it 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 literally kills a streak that is. He's number one all time. I know. And he was what eleven games shy of a thousand. We talk about these players who just hit their thousand. thousand game streak, and he's in their career, and he's had a thousand games straight for his whole career. Straight didn't ever miss a game. Yeah, that's that's it, it, it's almost impressive to think that somebody could do that physically. Like you would think there would be one day where you just couldn't go, you know, yeah. like just for anything, like the flu or like the stomach bug or you know what I mean, like anything could shut you down at one point to end this streak. And you're talking about almost a thousand games. So, so and you I, got benched. I'm sad because I wanted to see him get a thousand, but he did tack off the record for the most all time. So I guess at least he achieved that. So I'm okay with scratching him, especially if it becomes if it comes natural. Like you said, if his play is declined, let it be natural. And I do think that brings up that interesting, you know, discussion of should this be allowed to continue or should they should they scratch them whenever it's time? And I think that will be a conversation going forward with some of these other players that hold these records and streaks. Uh, maybe letting it come to end of its fruition whenever it's time to step down, it's time to go. But I don't know. It's sad, but it's time, I guess. So what do you think about the other day with uh, Simmons and Maroon getting booked for talking trash? Oh. I think it was, what, 10? They each got a game misconduct, possibly? I don't remember what 10. the... It was 10 minutes. Was it 10, 10 minutes? Ten? Okay. Yep. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. I saw, I saw the highlight of that. I didn't watch that game uh, full. I was watching something else, but uh, yeah. Watching the clip, it was real weak sauce. I don't know what the deal with the refs has gotten into them lately. That was, I wouldn't have called that. That's ridiculous. I, I mean, my whole thing is, how often does trash talking happen? Does this heckling happen in between? Like, you you got your head like this, Kyle, looking up towards the ceiling for those people who can't see on the switcher right now. Well, well, hold on. So, you're talking about this. So, did you notice that when they were playing the games in Canada in the emptied arenas, at the television, like you couldn't, you could not like really censor out the trash talk. You could hear those players oh, yeah. dropping f bombs yeah, on the ice, the and not time. a single thing happened to them. Yeah, that, that's kind of my point. Boys are going to be boys, okay? You know, like this, this has been in the league probably since the beginning. I, I'm sorry, but heckling and like going back at it, like this has been on the playground as a little kid. You know, like we're playing dodgeball and this is this is happening. You know, not in the same manner and fashion or the same context, okay? But in a similar fashion, this has happened. Um, the funniest part about the video to me is they both get booked and then both of them start 
turning up to the ref and then they start heckling the ref and Maroon was super ticked at the ref. Like then he just took like literally both of their anger went from each other and it just focused on the ref for the, the, the remainder of time. And like Maroon was slamming the door and he's just like cussing them out. And I'm just laughing because I was like, you knew that was going to have the same reaction. Like that's not going to do anything to stop them from heckling each other. And now like you've just made them super mad at you for the rest of the game. So congrats. Well, at the risk of getting fined by the NHL, we're talking about the refs. So if we do, uh, we will give you a, um, a PayPal where you can give us $25,000 if we get fined, because apparently that's the going rate. If you've, uh, heckled the refs, if you're a coach, um, we're going to set, set up our Patreon account. I know, right? So my in-laws were in town the other day, and we went to the Ottawa game when they were here. And that was my first time seeing a game in a while. And I was amazed at just how stickler the refs were being for any little thing. Oh, I graze your shoulder the wrong way. That's a penalty. Oh, I look in your direction wrong. That's a penalty. I told my father-in-law, I said, I've never seen a game where the refs were just so biased towards one team that entire game the Preds got one power play and Ottawa got like six seven I don't know it was too many to count after a while yeah I, I don't know well just wait till the playoffs because uh, that's when you're going to really see it come yeah. to fruition and uh, you're going to hear a lot of moaning when uh, playoff time comes for sure yeah I, I, I don't know it, it's very interesting to see like how sometimes it is it does seem more one-sided on certain games but I mean, that said, the refs are going to always do what they deem fit and they're going to call it as they think is fair. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll get our cease and desist from I will um, say, Ontario. though, uh, Tim Peel has started like a podcast. And, some and uh, Twitter, he's been present. very, very active on Twitter. So, and I've been uh, enjoying it. Kind of fun to get his take. You know, Kerry Frazier's been doing it for years. Yeah. And uh, now we get a little younger perspective. And I've uh, been enjoying it. Yeah. So um, when he started doing his... Um, podcast and his twitter my initial thought was is um i wonder if we could get him to call in oh and i want to ask him one question uh, why what did james neil do, do to you he hey it's a legal question at this point he's not a ref and on top of it he's not a pred anymore he's in the ahl so i feel like we could ask it openly wait, wait james neil's in the ahl i think he is right now yeah somebody said it was a bargain deal right now i'm pretty sure he is so you can start looking that up yeah, I think uh, now that you I, say I, that, I think, I think he, he is in the AHL. Waivers, uh, go, go check. A while back. Probably with Kyle Turris. Oof. It hurts. Yeah. I saw this video, though. I don't know if you saw it circulating on Twitter. It was like um, from one of the Senators' podcasts that we follow, and they had like the highlight reel of Kyle Turris just tearing it up in the playoffs for Ottawa. And I'm like, my God, if he would have come to Tennessee and done half of that production that team could have won a, a cup. You know, it's just, man, he came here and it just was like falling off of a cliff as far as production-wise because, I mean, he looked fantastic and that's why Poyle did want him. Um, yeah, it, it is brutal. So it is. He's playing for the... Um, I just had it pulled up here. Let's see here. It is the AHL Springfield Thunderbirds of the American Hockey League. So, man, I guess how the mighty have fallen... So, but that being said, it's getting time to wrap the show up. And so, Matt, do you have any stats for us at all? Yeah, I'll leave you with just two today, Kyle. Uh, someone's been a little absent from the conversation today, so we've got to pepper him in there. It's Alexander Ovechkin, 1,400 career points now. 
And uh, also a little another hat tip to my boy, Jumbo Joe is now the sixth uh, player in history, or this, he has the six most wins in history uh, with a thousand wins. Yeah. So we're talking Incredible. about players playing a thousand games. He's got a thousand wins, big dog. His, his beers just gets longer by the day. Only only five other players in history do it. Number one, Nick Lidstrom, not a big deal, but... <laughs> no, it's a little side note. You know, just throw that casually in there. So um, I actually did want to point this out, though, tonight. Um, the forward lines for the Preds have mixed up a little bit. Duchesne has dropped down to the second line with Granlin and Tolvanen, who's back in. And Philip Tomasino is now on the top line tonight with Forsberg and Johansson. And, uh, I mean, that might be a little bit of a reward from his last game where he played really well with his new line mates. Uh, you know, I think he got a goal and two assists last game. Uh, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Maybe it might not stay the whole game. Like, if yeah. things start going bad, then obviously they'll probably move Deshane up to the top line and then drop Tomasino down with Granlin and Tolvedon. That does make sense in my mind because uh, obviously the chemistry is already there with with Forsberg, Johansson, and uh, Duchesne. But uh, very interesting note, like uh, the, the kid's been lighting it up more with more playing time and higher, basically the, the um, more reps he's gotten on those higher lines has yielded more points for him. So we'll see. And, you know, just kind of goes further credibility to the fact that coaches are mixing it up this time of the le- this time of the year. Uh, this year, I haven't noticed it in, in prior years as much as this year that teams are mixing in that younger talent. So it could just be part of that, uh, mixing up the roster a little bit and uh, trying to dance the roster around and see, see what works when we're coming into playoff time. Well, I will say this, though. Hines has been a lot better about not putting the lines in a blender like Lavi did. Yeah. Lavi was... I felt like he overdid it sometimes. Like, like people couldn't. You almost like you have to put them there for so long and let them kind of like see. Like, you can't just do like one or two games. Like, you might need a five game chunk of doing that, and then go to another, and then you know see how everyone interacts. Because come playoff time, you do want to swap some stuff around, and you need to know how people interact with each other. Where Lavi was just like all the time wanting, you know, oh, let's check, tweak this, and I, I don't know if I fully agreed with it, but. uh that said, we are going to see some changes, and the puck is about to drop. So, hopefully, we get another uh, two to three uh, Roman Yossi points. Oh, oh my! Before this is a stat that I almost was—we almost forgot. Matt Roman Yossi needs one more point to tie Paul Correa with uh, the most points in a season for a Predator. He's at eighty-four. He just needs one to tie, two to break it. So tonight, he he can potentially break the record for the the Predators in a single season with still like. 12 more games left. Yeah, he's he's got time to do it. It's, even if it's not- nuts, but like that is a that is a very cool stat that just added to his Norris Trophy, you know, I mean, that's another Hall of Famer right there, by the way. Yep. So, just saying. And so, Daniel, after all that, do you have any uh, idea of what games are coming up for us? Yeah, I, I've kind of already gone over this. This, this stretch coming up this month, obviously super important. The next two weeks, we have, you know, we have Ottawa tonight. Then we have Florida and Pittsburgh back to back. That's going to be brutal. Uh, Saturday, Sunday. Then you have San Jose, Edmonton, and Chicago to wrap up next week. But once again, like Matt was saying, it's going to come down to that last two weeks uh, as far as the seeding is for the Western Conference because you have St. Louis, Calgary, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Calgary, Colorado, and Arizona to finish the season. So basically, that is all playoff teams minus Arizona. So your last seven games out of eight are against playoff opponents. That is going to be a good measuring stick. 
because if they can win, if they can win fifty percent of those, you might want to watch out for the Preds in the playoffs. Because I, I mean, those are legit teams. Those are all teams that are going to be higher than them in ranking too. So just just a little FYI. Well, on on that note, I will say, Matt, you know, you're wearing your Kachina jersey, and uh, I, I I suspect the uh, game against uh, Arizona is just just going to be a forfeit. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. I we'll lose that one. We'll win all seven other ones. Seven out of eight, but you know, the eighth team, the Arizona Coyotes, are like the Giants layer. So that one's a tough one too. So they always beat like us. They, I mean, the other day, like it was funny because didn't they beat like the Lightning or there's Toronto, and I'm like, what is going on? It's just always how it is with the Coyotes. So I can't explain the anomaly, but you know, just is what. Maybe it's the how. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it may be the how too. But Matt, I think uh, last thing before we sign off here is that you should apply to the Coyotes to be their new hell person. I think you Would could do awesome. it. But guys, thank you for joining us today. If you would like to follow us, there's about three or four different ways you can find us. The first is uh, PenaltyBoxRadio.com. You can find us on their iTunes, which is at PenaltyBoxRadio as well. You can also find us individually at Music City Gold on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter at Music City Gold as well. Until next time, guys, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.